0: reading from Hosea chapter 2. It's found on page 871. Rebuke your mother, rebuke her, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband. Let her remove the adulterous look from her face, and the unfaithfulness from between her breasts. Otherwise I will strip her naked, and make her as bare as on the day she was born. I will make her like a desert Turn her into a parched land and slay her with thirst. I will not show my love to her children, because they are the children of adultery. Their mother has been unfaithful and has conceived them in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers who give me my food and my water, my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. Therefore, I will block her path with thorn bushes. I will walk... I will wall her in so she cannot find her way. She will chase after her lovers, but not catch them. She will look for them, but not find them. Then she will say, I will go back to my husband, as at first, for then I was better off than now. She has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain, the new wine and oil, who lavished on her the silver and gold, which they use for Baal. Therefore I will take away my grain when it ripens and my new wine when it is ready. I will take back my wool and my linen intended to cover her nakedness. So now I will expose her lewdness before the eyes of her lovers. No one will take her out of my hands. I will stop all her celebrations, her yearly festivals, her new moons, her Sabbath days, all her appointed feasts. I will ruin her vines and her fig trees, which she said were her pay from her lovers. I will make them a thicket with wild animals and wild animals will devour them. I will punish her for the day she burned incense to the baals; She decked herself with rings and jewellery jewelry and went after her lovers. But me she forget, forgot, declares the Lord. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Acor a door of hope. There she will sing as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband and you will no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of the bals from her lips. No longer will their names be invoked. In that day I will make a covenant for them, with the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the creatures that move along the ground. Bow and sword and battle I will demolish from the land so that all may lie in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. In that day I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies, and they will respond to the earth. And the earth will respond to the grain and the new wine and oil, and they will respond to Jezreel. I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called, not my loved one. I will say to those called, not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God.
1: Thank you. Uh, tonight we'll be continuing our series in Hosea, which is why Hosea chapter 2 was just read for us. Um, and this is the chapter we're going to be looking at. Uh, this may seem like a fairly difficult uh, passage at first. It is a little bit weird. Uh, one of the tricks to kind of figuring out what's going on in this passage is remembering that while sometimes it kind of, it's kind of written like this is Hosea talking to his adulterous wife, Goma, um, it's kind of written like that, Uh, It's actually God speaking to his people, Israel, kind of using Hosea and Gomer as sort of this living metaphor for what's going on between God and Israel. So while this is, yes, what Hosea is saying to Gomer, it is also what God is trying to say to Israel. And we're going to have a look now and see what God has to say to us uh, through this chapter in Hosea. And it starts off pretty starkly, doesn't it? It starts off and just puts it straight out there. Stop committing adultery. Um, Have a look with me. Verse 2. Let her remove the adulterous look from her face and the unfaithfulness from between her breasts. That's a pretty clear call to Israel. Stop committing adultery against me. Um, God just puts it out there. He tells it like it is. Um, And... Although he uses the term adultery, um, it is talking about Israel worshipping gods other than God. Um, and adultery is an appropriate term because it's them breaking their covenant with the God who created and saved them out of Egypt. Uh, and then we have verse 3. God gives a warning to Israel about the punishment that will follow if they don't heed his call to stop their adultery. Have a have a look with me in verse 3. Uh, Otherwise I will strip her naked and make her as bare on, as on the day she was born. I will make her like a desert and turn her into a parched land and slay her with thirst. Um, that is a, a pretty dire warning. This will happen if you do not repent. Um, the idea of exposing her nakedness is Uh, brings across the idea of shame and just exposing Israel for what they are, the adulterous nation that has fled from the God who created them and brought them out of Egypt. And then we get verses 6 and 7, which show us that this judgment of God is not some random, purposeless uh, act of anger, but actually, looks a lot more like discipline. Verses 6 and 7 here give us the reason why God is going to punish his people. So, read with me. Therefore, I will block her paths with thorn bushes, I will wall her in so she cannot find her way. She will chase after her lovers, but not catch them. She will look for them, but not find them. She will say, I will go back to my husband as at first. For then I was better off than now. This is why I said this judgment looks more like discipline, because God is intending to stop Israel from being able to do the things that are separating them from him. He's going to stop them from worshipping their God so that they can realise, Oh hang on, why am I worshipping a bit of wood when I could be worshipping the God who saved me from Egypt and has created me, a God with power? So although it's kind of a little bit like when you take a small child camping in the bush and you start a fire and all they want to do is play with the flames and pick up the red hot sticks. Every parent knows that that is a bad idea to let them do that, no matter how much they kick and scream and want to do it. Um, When the parent stops them, the child thinks they're being punished. Why aren't you letting me have what I want? I want to play with the flames. But the parents know that they need to do it for the good of the child. And sometimes this is how God chooses to treat us. In his mercy, he stops us from getting the things that we want, particularly when those things that we want are actually going to be harmful to our relationship with him. If it's going to be something that's going to drive us away from God, well, then he's going to stop us doing that so that it doesn't harm our relationship with him. Uh, Alyssa and I have experienced this firsthand when we were living in Switzerland. That was about three years ago. I've lost track of time a little bit. Um, We were living there, and all we wanted to do was move there permanently. Um, We loved it there so much, we, we really wanted to move there, and so much so we stopped listening to what God wanted us to do and started telling him exactly what we were going to do. We told him, God, we're going to, we're going to get jobs, we're going to live here, and we're going to serve in this church here because this church needs more really good Christian people to help and serve. That's a good thing, right? You want that. Um, as you can see by the fact that we're both sitting here tonight, God said no. He has since spent the last three years that we've been back teaching us why it has been a fantastic thing for us to be back here. He has taught us so much, and our relationship with him has grown so much because he taught us to listen to him by denying us what we wanted. And while, yes, there are times when sometimes we don't get the things we want because we fill out the form wrong, sometimes we don't get what we want because we're lazy, sometimes there's some other type of human error involved, But sometimes, if you are chasing after something and you constantly find your way blocked with walls and thorn bushes, then maybe it's time to consider that maybe God is trying to tell you something by that. And then as we read on in this passage, we keep reading and we see that Israel's and our adultery against God has actually gone further than we ever thought it could. Have a read with me in verse 8. She has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain, the new wine and the oil, who lavished on her the silver and the gold, which they used for Baal. God here paints what I see as the ultimate picture of betrayal. A wife who takes a present that was given to her by her husband, possibly her engagement ring, sells it, and then uses the money to pay to go out with her lover. And this is how we treat God. We see this so often when we use the good gifts that He gives us. And sometimes we worship the gift itself, sometimes we use that gift to. Worship some other God that we have made up for ourselves. For example, we might take the good gift of work. Uh, work is a good thing that God gives us. And then instead of using it to glorify him, we start thinking of nothing but work. We do everything we can to get the next promotion, not caring who we step on to get there. Working so much that it comes to the detriment of our family relationships. And we start worshipping work instead of God. Or maybe it's relationships. We can't see anything but getting a boyfriend or a girlfriend and so we do whatever we can to get it. And we start thinking about getting a boyfriend or a girlfriend more than we think about God. Maybe it's the good gift of money. God graciously gives us money to provide for our needs. And instead of using it as he would have us use it, we start hoarding it for ourselves. We start doing everything we can to get more of it. We start causing people to suffer just so that we can get more and we start worshipping the accumulation of money instead of worshipping God. Maybe it's technology. Instead of using the good gift of technology to, to build up others in our relationships. We start using it to find new and creative ways to belittle people in front of hundreds of others. We start rejecting our friends because they don't have the latest I whatever. Friends, every one of us in our own way has taken one of the good gifts that God gives us and we have used it to worship something other than him. This is a pretty pretty bleak picture that is painted here by Hosea. Verses 9 to 13 in this chapter continue to spell out what's going to happen if we continue to live like this, if we continue to reject God as our rightful creator, God and husband. We see in verse 13 that God is punishing Israel because they have forgotten him just like we have. And this judgment that is spelled out may not happen during our lifetimes, but it will certainly happen when God comes again. Verses 9 to 13 spell out God taking away his good gifts to his people. Everything that he brought to the relationship, he is taking away. And that's what will happen on the final day of judgment. For those who have continued to reject God, All the good things that being in a relationship with God brings will be taken away from them. However, it doesn't end there. Thankfully, in God's mercy, we see in verse 14 a great shift in the attitude of this passage. So read that with me. Therefore, I am now going to allure her I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards. I will make the valley of Akkor into a door of hope. There she will sing as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. The picture shifts from the rightfully jealous and angry husband to a husband who is desperately in love with his wife and is calling out to her, come back to me. Takes her out and declares his unending love for his people and us. He says, I will give you back these good things if you come back to me. And Israel does in this case. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of the Baals from her lips. No longer will their names be invoked. In that day, I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, the birds of the sky, and the creatures that move along the ground. Bow and sword and battle I will abolish from the land so that all may lie down in safety. Friends, this promise echoes uh, God's covenant promises with Israel throughout the rest of the Old Testament, and often it is summed up in the word rest. God is saying to Israel, if you come back to me, I will grant you my rest. Uh, Rest meaning that no longer will they need to fear foreign armies, no longer will they need to fear uh, the beasts of the field, like the wild wolves attacking their towns, Uh, because it says that God will make a covenant with the beasts of the field, the birds of the sky. No longer will they need to fear the dangers of drought and famine or um, severe weather, because God will grant them rest if they return to him. And then, friends, verses 19 and following round out this passage really quite nicely. But what is even better is that it shows us exactly how we can fit into this great promise of rest. So verse 19 says, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness and you will acknowledge the Lord. I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. Now, if you're not exactly sure how that helps us fit in, that's okay, because the New Testament writers have done the work for us. The writers of the New Testament books of Ephesians and 1 Peter, and then later on, Revelation, have taken these images and used them to help us see how we can fit into this promise. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says this, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, But now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Friends, when God says, you are my people, he's not just talking to Israel, he's talking to us. Because of what Jesus has done, we can be called the people of God. And Ephesians Ephesians chapter 5 picks up the language of the betrothal that is being spoken about. Uh, Ephesians 5 puts it like this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as uh, as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Friends, the church is the bride of Christ. And so when it talks about being betrothed forever in righteousness and compassion, that's looking forward to the great day that we hear spoken about in Revelation when Christ will come again to claim his bride, us. And in that day, we will be able to enter his rest. But only because of what Christ has done for us as we sang so beautifully in the hymn, Jerusalem, Christ's work on the cross allows us to come back into a relationship with God. It is through his death and resurrection that we can see and that we are able to come back and we can stop our adultery against God. It is through him that we can respond when God calls out, you are my people. It is by Christ that we can turn back and respond, you are my God, because he has opened the way for us to do that. The punishments that we spoke about in verses 9 to 13, they were taken by Christ on the cross for us. The punishment that we rightly deserved fell on him. Friends, if you are not in a relationship with Christ, if you have not heard God's call, then hear it tonight. Listen and respond. Your creator and your God is calling out to you. He wants you to turn back to him. Now is a great time to do that. For the people here who have done that, are we living as the bride of Christ, or are we still blatantly committing adultery against our rightful husband and God? Are we worshipping the little things in life instead of God? Are we being lured away by the love of money, the love of popularity, work, technology? Friends, Christ has redeemed us and has made us God's people. It is time to start living like it because one day he will come again and we as the church will be forever in the new heavens and the new earth living with God in his rest but only if we have responded to his call. Friends, God is calling out to us You are my people. It's now up to you to respond. You are my God. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift that you have given us in your Son. We thank you that the punishment that we deserve for our adultery against you has fallen on him. And we thank you that we can now enter the promise of your rest through him we thank you that we can turn back and have a relationship with you again heavenly father we ask that you help us to rid our lives of the other gods so that we may live forever for you glorifying you alone in everything that we do
0: amen